Hello and welcome to Franchise Me. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And this is the show where two friends go on a journey to find the ultimate movie franchise. Each week we'll talk about a film or films in a series, breaking them down and seeing if they are truly worthy of being in a franchise. As we finish different series, we will compare and rank them among each other in order to find out which one is truly the best. This week we join the Bard and Bellas and sing our hearts out as we talk about Pitch Perfect. Andrew, we're back. Pitches were... <laughs> We're back. How are we doing, my friend? I'm doing very well. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we're moving on, you know, with our franchises. We are now on franchise number five. Number five. Yeah, this, this is our Pitch Perfect episode. It's very exciting. This is a franchise that I know I have been looking forward to. Uh, because you sure have. This is uh, 10 years in the making, uh, my friend, because yeah. uh, this is a franchise that you have kind of sworn off of, sworn that you would never watch yep. it. Yep, yep. Uh, kind of made a promise to yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, a little bit of an inside joke that kind of snowballed. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my, my, history, my history with this movie is not great i know it came out in 2012 i know this movie swept the the country by storm the world by storm when it came out everybody was singing everyone and dancing was singing and... they loved it i did not see this movie in theaters i did not see this movie on home video release i think that overwhelming support for it kind of yes, turned you off a turned little bit. me off quite a bit i basically swore this movie off to the point where you were watching the movie in a separate room from me and you said, Hey, we're watching pitch perfect. And I said, I'm going to go do something else. And I sat in a separate room from you to not watch the movie because I did not want to watch it. And I have kept this joke going for two, for you're right. 10 years, refusing to watch pitch perfect. I've avoided it for 10 years, but now for the podcast, I must watch it. And I did. And I did. It's funny because, you know, for the normal people, this is just, you know, a normal movie. But yes. for, like, me and you, this is a this is a big deal. It's for a, me, to me to be well, able to sit down here... No, it's a big deal for you. This isn't... Well, no, no, what I, no, what I mean is to be able to sit down here and have this conversation uh, with you about uh, this movie. Yeah. Literally 10 years in the making. That is a big deal for you, me. You really want to talk about so, this movie with me. Well, not, it's not even because of the movie, but it's just the fact that I, I never thought that this would ever happen, right? You never thought you'd see this in your life. Time. I mean, we are living in a world now where you have seen Pitch Perfect. Yes, you know, it's yes. one of those movies. It's, so. it's official. I have seen Pitch Perfect, and I'm going to see all three Pitch Perfects. <laughs> and uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna see how that unfolds over the next few weeks because I'm excited to talk about this movie. Um, well, what you're not telling people is that I mean, you're you're so swept up. I mean, you, you joined an acapella group. You're actually in a, a mini skirt right now. You know, like you're ready to go. Yeah, I'm cosplaying as a uh, Bard and Bella right now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, do you want to just jump into the movie? Or? <laughs> sure, sure. Let's Akka do it. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I was going to start with an acapella pun, but I was afraid you would leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't like that joke. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, you kind of mentioned it. This movie has a release date of October 5th, 2012. Ten years ago, ten year anniversary. Yeah. For you know, not we're not in October well, yet, but yeah, it'll be it's gonna be, be ten, 10 years. years this uh, this October. Yep. So uh, you know, ten year anniversary for the uh, Pitch Perfect uh, franchise. Again, we definitely did this on purpose. Definitely scheduled this on purpose. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, just to that point, even I'm now that you've mentioned that this actually is the ten year. Um, anniversary i'm wondering if that and again this is retrospective talk but i'm wondering if that is tying into uh why there is a uh tv show coming out this year yeah i'm wondering if it is the 10 year because it's the 10 year anniversary of pitch perfect maybe they're trying to do something or special for it maybe I don't we'll know. get like a reunion later in the yeah, year maybe they'll knows? come together who so. knows anyway <laughs> 10 years yep totally playing this 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent this is directed by jason moore 
Mm-hmm. Um, I looked into this guy. Uh, he it does have a little bit of a theater background, which is why they got him for okay, this. Okay, cool. I believe he was the director for Avenue Q. Um, oh, that's sh- yeah, that's so, a cool show. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. not not the creator. I don't think he he wrote it or anything, but he was he directed he directed when, the actual show the when show it was on Broadway. Was a, or yeah. oh, I think it was back when it was off Broadway. Oh, off Broadway. Yeah. Okay, cool. But is that yeah. the show with the puppets. It is. Oh, that's the, great. Like yeah. the R-rated Sesame right, Street, right, right. basically. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. Um, he doesn't really have much of a film. He just done a couple things, you know. Right, but, right. But uh, I think this was his first movie, I believe, and they get him for this, and yeah, and you know, experience with like the singing and the dancing, and you know, that's this why is like, well, this is a major opportunity for him, basically. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, but this is written by Kay Cannon, and, mm-hmm. and this is uh, interesting. Do you know who Kay Cannon is? I know the name. So she is a uh, you know famous writer, right? She also, I believe she worked on Blockers, and I want to say she might have directed. Blockers, the John Cena. Oh, the comedy, the from, comedy uh, film. last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, not last year, but a couple years ago. A couple years ago, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, I love Blockers. So the fact that she is involved is uh, in here. Keegan Michael Key in that? No, I don't think no? so. Okay, yeah, I I know the movie. Um, I didn't see it's it. John you saw Cena, it, but... It's John Cena. It's John Cena. It's it's um, Judd Apatow's wife. What's her name? Oh, Leslie, Leslie Mann. Mann. Yeah, and uh, and Ike Barinholtz. Ike Barinholtz. It's, it's basically like American Pie, but with women, and from the told from the perspective of the parents. So. That's fun. Great. So yeah. it, I, I I really like the movie. Yeah. Highly recommend it. So okay. she worked on that. So it is interesting that you know successful you know comedy writing career. Right. She's already been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, she would go on. To she do would stuff. go on yeah. to do it. Right. She does a good job writing this script. You know, writing this story mm-hmm. and um, adapting it. Yeah. But it has a budget. Budget of seventeen million dollars. So this is a very low budget film. Yeah, that's very low. Not much here. And you know what? It makes sense because, you know, when you look at like, you know, we'll get there in a minute. But when you look at the cast, like there's some names, but not really like they go with a lot of, you know, lesser, you know, names where they help, they kind of help build the names of right. like, some career, you know, careers of some Rebel people. Wilson. Exactly. Yeah. I but think yeah. the biggest name attached really was Anna Kendrick at that time. Yeah. Because yeah, she was so. she was coming off of, uh, well, she, she had kind of gotten a lot of uh, praise for Up in the Air up with George Clooney. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, budget seventeen million dollars for what is a pretty small budget. They do a good job here, I think. I think a lot of. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, you're right. It does look really good. It doesn't look like an expensive movie, which makes sense because it is seventeen million. But you don't really need the money for that. Like it looks like if I had to guess, a majority of budget probably went towards the musical numbers. Well, it's outside say, of anything yeah. else. Well, if you if you think about it, like. How much do you think it costs for them to get just to get these songs? Exactly, you know what I mean. Like, exactly, just to even use these songs, you're gonna need to lay down some dough for them. Yeah, well, and know? actually, we'll talk about that later. But there, you know, that is that does play a part into kind of the choice, the song selection, because they're there. This was intended to have more music and be oh, really? even more of you know a musical or whatever. Right, right. Certain sequences that only have so many songs, we're supposed to have more, and they well, could, just couldn't afford it. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's a it's a pretty good 2012 jukebox movie. <laughs> if you're into 2012 music, this is your movie. Yep. You know? But box office, $115.4 million. It made money. This made almost like this $100 was, million. Yeah, dollars. This, is, this was a successful movie. You know, and again, like $115 million, it doesn't sound like a lot compared to other numbers we have talked about. But for a musical comedy film with a budget of $17 million to perform at that level... <laughs> That's big. Yeah, again, because this wasn't a known property. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And as we get into this the sequels... This was brand new outside of the book. This yeah. was just an adaptation of a book and it made that kind of money. As we get into the sequels, obviously they're going to be making more money because it's based mm-hmm. off of the success and the popularity of this movie. Yep. But, you know, this could have been like nothing. Like This could have been a blip on the radar and yeah. somehow people flocked to it. And maybe it's the likability of the cast, maybe it's the music, whatever it is, but... Yeah. 
It's a success story, and yeah. it, it's it's really impressive. Well, that I, I think what like you just said, I think it is a lot of those reasons why people flock to this. I think it is the musical numbers. I think it is the cast gelling so well, and you know, I think all of that plays a part in the success of this movie. And I think it was kind of uh, one of those things where maybe it was a word of mouth deal, where people kind of like went to it, they yeah. saw it, told their friends, they went to go see it, which was rare. Which is rare. Yeah. We don't see that much nowadays because everything's so well, marketed. But. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that because that that's the thing is that like this movie kind of like I know people did not think much about this movie. Like right. it's coming out. Like oh, you know, it comes out in October. You know, and it's it's like Which oh, is kind it's kind of a slow month. Yeah, it's not really movies. that big of yeah. a thing. And and it, you know, obviously this movie isn't going to get any type of Academy Awards. Right. They're not trying to, but like. Right. We're just filling in a gap of like here's a here's a comedy and also it is a female led comedy mm-hmm. which you know we're kind of seeing more now but at the mm-hmm. time you really it had only kind of been like I mean there have been some but it was not, a, it was a rare commodity to come by yeah and right. then it was it was it's very female centric yeah are those going to be successful and I think the answer here is yes and I think that that is a reason too is I think people wanted to see women be funny and right. and and to be on the screen in right. prominent roles and not necessarily love interest or what or push to the side or whatever right. like they actually have to... personality exactly yeah. and I and, and uh, yeah all those factors led to a really successful movie so and you're but you're right I think that because this movie kind of had low expectations it blew everybody away right and right people just kept coming back and coming back I mean I forgot that I saw this in theaters but I, I did yeah you sure did so yeah but yeah really really impressive numbers there but let's talk Rotten Tomatoes score we have a critic score this is certified fresh at 81 percent Wow. Okay, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's that's impressive. I get it though. Yeah, I totally get that. And an audience score it's fresh at eighty three percent. Makes sense. People do love this movie. I totally get that. I understand why people like this movie, and I get it. Yeah. And yeah, that totally those ratings and, make sense to me. And even your, you know, not to go back to it, but even your little like vendetta against this movie. I don't think it was because of the movie, or it wasn't because it's it's women or anything like that. It was oh just, no, it I just, just was. It, I get the hype. It was kind of like a joke, you know. Kind it of. It was and, just the hype. Of of the movie everyone was it was one of those situations where everyone was telling me to see it and then i finally just shut down and said i'm just not going to see it now um, yeah because, because you're all telling me to see it i will not see it and i've run with that for 10 years for a while <laughs> this movie like this movie took over like yeah. this movie was everywhere that i think that's what turned me off too it was everywhere and uh you know i wanted to be in the cool kids group and uh not go see it and it, it, it played a part in like this like really weird part in time where like acapella was this really big thing and yes i so i guess this is kind of opinions but i wanted to say the one main thing i got from this movie is it feels like a glorified glee episode do you remember how big glee was at that time yes i do this movie is capitalizing off the success of that show and it kind of feels like that to me it feels kind of like a glee episode it's not glee Mm -hmm. obviously like i'm not saying it's glee but it does kind of feel like a glorified glee episode where there's all these musical numbers and it's it's it, the comedy is obviously a lot raunchier in this than uh, you would see on a network television show. But I kind of got the vibe that it is kind of just a Glee knockoff. I, I, I'm using air quotes, knockoff. <laughs> but I, I understand why this was successful because for whatever reason at that time, like from 2009 to like 2015, musical shows were like musical uh, movies, shows, TV shows blew up. And it was like, taking over the culture for a really long time it had this weird thing and uh i think pitch perfect capitalized on that 
We'll talk about that. And I think it was a reason for it. Yeah, we'll talk about that more in, in opinions. But I, you're you're right. You're right. I think it does more than that. And I know you're not. That's not. You're not seeing that as a criticism. It's not, of the it's movie, not an but, opinion. I'm just saying that's a vibe I got. Yeah, we'll double yeah. back to that. We'll, go, we'll come back. We'll come back. Let's talk about the cast. You know, let's, yes. let's get into so yeah. this is a a really big cast. And as we move forward past this first movie and the second and third, I'm not going to focus on everybody right. as much. But because this is the first, the introduction of all of these characters, right? Uh, I do think you know we should at least mention just about everybody. And and you know we don't have to go big on everybody, but just briefly touch on yeah, everybody. That's and fine go through with me. That's fine. I have this broken down into three categories: sure. the Bellas, the Troublemakers, and then other characters. Perfect. So uh, we'll talk about the Bellas. So we yeah, have. Let's do it. Anna Kendrick as Becca Mitchell, Rebel Wilson as Fat Amy, Anna Camp as Aubrey, Brittany Snow as Chloe, Alexis Knapp as Stacy, Esther Dean as Cynthia Rose, and Hannah Mae Lee as Lily. Yeah, so as we're going through this, you're going to have to remind me who each of those characters are in the name. <laughs> I okay, Like, truly, like, I don't, I, I know Becca, I know Fat Amy, I know Aubrey, and I know uh, Britney Snow's character, Chloe. whoever. Chloe. I know those four because they're kind of the dominant forces yeah. uh, in the Bellas. The other ones, I cannot put their... I Dude, I cannot put their I names to faces. You, I can't. I'm surprised by that because I think they do a good job of actually giving them personalities to kind of separate them. And hey, maybe by the time we're done no, this no, series, sure, you're, you're going to be all familiar look, with it. Look, I'm sure that like once you mention who they are... I will put their personality it. to it, but like they didn't do enough to actually like make their names stick. Is I get what that. I'm saying. I, like, I don't. You know, because the characteristics stand out, but not maybe the names. The names don't stand out. Yeah. Oh, so, so where do you want to start? You tell me. Well, do you want to just go through everybody? Let's go through everybody. Oh, name then, everybody. Yeah, go for it. So we'll do the troublemakers. We have Skylar Aston as Jesse Swanson, Adam Devine as Bumper Allen. Ben Platt as Benji Applebaum, and I'm going to apologize if I, if I butcher this name, Ukarsh Ambukar as Donald. And then others, just some p- other people in the cast. We have John Michael Higgins as John Smith, <laughs> and Elizabeth Banks as Gail Abernathy McCaden. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's double back. Do you want to start with the Bellas, or do you want to start you want to start with the others, maybe? And let's we'll go through others, the and then we'll work our way up to the Bellas. Okay, so we'll do others. I mean, John Michael Higgins and Elizabeth Banks. We'll do them together. We'll do them together because they are together throughout this movie. I will tell you right now, favorite part of the movie. Love these two. Love these two. I think it's hilarious. I I love the dynamic. Let me start this off. Do these jokes age well? Not all of them. Not all of them, right? They don't all age well. But what I will say is the dynamic of John Michael Higgins, John, saying something mostly about women in this movie. It's a lot of like women jokes in this movie. But to have Elizabeth Banks next to him... Calling him out. Calling him out yeah. really softens the blow on these jokes. And I like that dynamic. I think that still works in this movie. And we'll talk about it in the other oh, movies. for this movie, yeah. it works perfect. Because, because it's, it just... Yes, go ahead. Because, yeah, but I don't think the jokes... I think the jokes age well. Because, like you said, you have somebody there who, who, who calls him out. And yes. also is kind of like... This slow burn, like, he mm-hmm. doesn't come out right, right out of the gate, like, being anti He's not like, firing it no, off immediately. Throughout right? the movie, like, he starts referencing more and more about, like, oh, like, you know, uh, these jokes about women. Yeah. And, 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 like, oh, I'm surprised these women are actually able to do it and stuff. And, you know, I, I never would yeah. have guessed these women would win. And Elizabeth Banks just, well, you are a misogynist, John. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> they never break that. That announcer voice, and they never break that. Yeah, they like, never break the announcer voice. He's like, he's like, I can't believe women are doing something other than being in the kitchen. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, well, you are a misogynist. And she just shuts it down. <laughs> and that dynamic works. Because yes. if it was just... It, him imagine doing that. This, this could have been way worse. It could have been just him and without Elizabeth Bank. Or 
it could have been him and another male commentator yes. both doing jokes, and that would not have worked. No. The fact that they put Elizabeth Banks next to him to play off that, but to call him out and call him a misogynist and say, we know these jokes are wrong, yeah. so that's why we the, have a woman here. The that joke works. is that what he's saying is so wild and offensive. It's so wild and yeah. offensive. And then having the woman's perspective there to say, you're a misogynist. And like it, It's great to have that. As we go through this whole movie, and this is something that I might talk about more in opinions, but it really applies with at least these two characters, is that this movie does a great job of, like, it's, oh, this movie's a parody. Like, it's it really, the way I look at this is a parody movie. Yes. Like, they are acknowledging that what is happening and that this culture and this acapella, like, world, mm-hmm. like, is kind of silly and yes. goofy. And, yes. they're, and they're making fun of that, but they're playing it completely straight. Yes. And these guys talking about, like, and taking it so seriously and the fact that even, like, these acapella singers are selling to these raucous, wild, yes. sold-out crowds. Yes, yes. Like, it's this big <laughs> thing. And they do a good job a few times throughout the movie, like pulling back and and showing like the well, this is this is like this is a one section, right? Yes, like because they're walking around where the bad. This is the best thing in the world. Oh my god! Is it? And it's they kind of pull back a little bit, and like no, this this is kind of stupid. Like, yes. like yeah, this, this, is, this, whole is, this culture, is ridiculous. Yeah, this, this is, is ridiculous. ridiculous. And these two, uh, John Michael Higgins and Elizabeth Banks, do this great job. Of kind of playing along with that and helping build that because they yes. are always in character. They're They're always always building that up and just embracing the ridiculousness of the situation. And that, to me, really worked. I also just love that they have been, like, like commentating uh, acapella, like, competitions for, like, like, that's their job. Like, they just go around commentating acapella competitions. But specifically, they're following the Bellas all over the (laughs) place. And it's just like, well, is this their job? Like, Well, they they run the whole thing. That's it. Right. Yeah. They they run run the whole whole thing. thing. And you're just like, this is really uh, funny that this is their job. And one of them is clearly a misogynist. Like, John is a misogynist. So why is... Is he doing like why is he commentating in acapella groups yeah and it's just like you shouldn't even be here i like their dynamic a lot it's yeah. great yeah so let's talk about the troublemakers then. yes we have uh skylar aston as jesse swanson so this guy is, is this is interesting because this is an act give me who... a heaping heaping spoonful of heterosexuality <laughs> <laughs> you could not write a straighter character like, you could not write a more heterosexual character than Jesse. That was the vibe I got through this entire movie. Like, the entire time I'm watching this guy, I'm like, this guy is so straight, it's laughable. It's laughable. Now, you've got to explain this. What, what I just found him to be very, like, just the mannerisms, the way, the, the look, the way he looks... I I, just, I I don't know. It was just very. Well, is it to is me, it kind of? It's kind of like a commentary on like the fact that like a lot of the times like the people who perform like in like theater like you see a lot of like f- more feminine nature. Yes, like whatever. I think that's what it is. I think because well, people attribute like you yeah, know, and it's not true. We were we were both have, have we were both background in, in this, yeah. We but, both have we both have been in theater shows, and it, I think you know they attribute you know feminism or or unfortunately like homosexuality yeah. to this. And I think the the point of this movie is this kid was just... It's like they found the straightest guy they could. They found like this heterosexual guy and they said... Look, straight people do acapella too, and I I just found it very funny, and I I don't know that was uh that was kind of my takeaway from Jesse. Um, I like the character, yeah, I like the character, but he is uh, unbelievably straight. I know that they they said that like they were looking for like a John Cusack 
type when they were looking for this role. <laughs> really? So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like a young John Cusack. Oh, type gotcha. Role. Okay. It's like say anything or whatever. Right. 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 Um, he's he's really look. The kid's great in the role. I I really do like him. I think yeah. he has he has some fun musical moments. It, you know? He does. I kind of feel bad for him because he's like the like he is an important role, but he also at the same time doesn't have too much to do. Or like he doesn't have like he doesn't have that much to stand out. Like the other troublemakers have like more like moments to kind of stand out. Or whatever. Like this guy, he's really good at singing. He's really good at dancing. And he, you know, but he's kind of just there to be the love interest. And he really likes movies. Well, first off, he really likes movies. Love that. Yeah, he really likes movies. And maybe that's part of it. I think maybe it's because he doesn't have any, like, distinguishable features from the rest of uh, the Troublemakers. Because when we talk about Adam Devine next, you know, good lord. Like, you know, I mean, that is like, that's a character. Like, he is over the top the entire time. But with Jesse, he's so, like, I think it's because he's so normal. Outside of the singing, he's very normal. He's not this like crazy rambunctious like oh I'm trying like he he doesn't he's not like sleeping around and he's not in acapella just to you know get women or anything yeah. like that. Like he is he just likes singing. You're absolutely right about like I think everybody else in this movie just basically everybody else has like ridiculous like characteristics. Yes. Even like Becca, like they amplify everybody everybody's like characteristics yes. and differences to like a thousand to to play the jokes better mm-hmm. or to give them more of a character and he isn't that like yeah. he's like the straight character yeah. like not straight like heterosexuality but well, just yes. like he's the straight man of this entire movie and yeah. like again he has some silly moments he has some fun moments but like he's there to just kind of like to be the love interest to be the love interest yeah. and have everything play off around him yes almost. So, but we can talk about, you mentioned him, Adam Devine as Bumper Allen. This is the guy who, you know, the star of the group, you know, yeah. and, and boy does he shine here. You know? <laughs> boy does he shine. Yeah, this is a unique role for Adam Devine because I know there, there a lot of people have mixed opinions about, yeah. about Adam Devine as an actor. I didn't, re- so because I didn't see Pitch Perfect, my exposure to Adam Devine wasn't until he was on that Comedy Central show, Workaholics. Well, that actually that came before this. Was that before it? Yeah. Okay, so that's what, I, I was actually exposed to him through that show before I, and I never even saw Pitch Perfect. That was where I first saw him. And I actually liked the show and I thought he was good on it i really like adam devine but i think he has like a very specific like shtick he he does and i think basically what he from what i could tell after watching this movie what he does on workaholics is essentially what he's doing in this movie like i think he got branded as kind of this like frat boy type like dumb frat boy type who uh is very overly confident yeah. And I think that's kind of what he got branded as. And he basically just does that shtick in this movie. Yeah. But for an acapella group, you know, even when he's singing, completely over the top. He's running around. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's like, <laughs> he's down. Yeah, and he's like, he's he's moving around a lot when he's singing. He's just, he's very performative. He's, he uses his physicality. He uses his physicality. And the character of Bumper, yeah, it's a, it, is it annoying? It can be at times. I mean... It can be a little grating. He's supposed to be. But he's supposed to be. He's, su- I mean... He's kind of supposed to be the antagonist of this movie. Look, he's the reason the Bellas and the Treblemakers don't really get along. Like, yeah. he's, like, upholding this tradition that they don't get along. And, you know, Let's I don't know. Let's be honest. Like, he is a d- He's a d- that's yeah. what his, that's, that's his it. role. That's exactly and, it. And I'm like I'm like beating around the bush to not say he's a d- yeah. He's a, he's a d- like yeah. he's supposed to Absolutely. be a d- yes. and he 
for what he's supposed to do, he does a great job. Mm-hmm. And if you find him annoying or like invasive or you know what I mean, like he's supposed to be. That's and I think he does a great job in that. Yeah. So. And yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's all I have to say about him though, because I don't think he stand, he doesn't do a lot. He's, he's just, just he's, kind of the antagonist. He's funny. He's funny. He's funny. And he's the antagonist, and that's all I really have to say. We have Ben Platt as Benji Applebaum. Could anybody be more awkward? I mean, I, but he's perfect for the, this role. I mean, it at least it's fun. I'm actually surprised you're including him because he's barely in this movie. No, but he he's an important part of this movie, and it's funny because he's playing a college student here, and yeah. then ten years later he would play a high school student. Yep, <laughs> Dear yep. Evan Hansen. So. That movie got trashed. I just want to put out really quickly. I could not believe they cast him in that movie still. The man was 30 years old. And they're like, hey, do you want to play like a like a 17, you know, like 17-year-old Dear Evan Hansen? You know, he can come back to the role. I'm glad people so, trashed that movie and called it out. No, but anyway, I, this role, I wanted Benji. to put him because he play, he plays an important part in this movie. He has a whole storyline, you know what yeah. I mean, about, about this. He's, you know, the lovable, like, goof. And, you know... Very awkward. It plays up into, uh, you know, Bumper, you know, kind of being a jerk and not, yeah. wanting, not wanting to include him and stuff. Yeah. But obviously, like, the most talented person there, because yes. obviously he does have this background. Well, of yeah, ben, ben Platt is literally, yeah, he's <laughs> literally a Broadway star. And uh, when he does, he gets a nice payoff when they finally, he finally gets to join the group. He gets his moment. And yes. I thought that, that really worked. And so. I, I, the relationship between him and, him and Jesse is really I really nice like too. really like, like that relationship. Like, I like that they're just, you know, Jesse doesn't see him as, like, a, you know, a free, like, awkward yeah. or anything. Like, he, well, like, he knows he's awkward but like but he embraces it but he embraces it and he loves him just for who he is yeah. and i think their friendship is a really strong aspect I of this movie that the, the, the little we see of yeah. it really works no i think when the two of them are together that's when both of them especially skylar aston shines you yeah. know i mean we, he they gets play more each to other do, yeah really within. well yeah. yeah and then last you know this is a small part but ukarsh Ambudkar as donald this is bumper's right hand man this is the guy he's the, also the boxer well we'll just say he's also a <laughs> I mean, one hundred percent. Yeah, but you know what? He has a little bit more heart there, and we get yeah. to see that a little bit more. Um, he's the nice scene where uh, they're driving the bus, and like, um, I'll just tell you the, the Lily, yeah. Lily, yes. the, the weird Bella, okay, who's always mumbling under That's her, her breath. Okay, they have the nice little moment where they're beatboxing to each other, and they, they kind yeah. of like you know hint at like maybe a relationship or whatever. And yeah, it's cute. You it's, know, and, it's cute. It's fine. But and I, I wanted the, again, the character doesn't do much. I wanted but, to mention him because he's an actor. Like I keep seeing pop up like he oh what else has he done uh he well, he's in free guy last year oh okay he's cool. in free guy pretty pretty solid role in free guy yeah um he i watched the movie britney runs a marathon from i think it was 2020 okay and he's like the love interest in that like, oh, the main nice. character cool, the cool. main love interest right uh i just watched last night the uh, the new movie marry me and, and he's in that he's in that small, oh, that's small role but small he's in it cool. he keeps popping up and i'm like Wow, like I'm getting just doing pitch perfect, and right. like every time I look, everywhere I look, like he keeps popping up in these roles. So that's really cool. Uh, I just wanted to mention because again, could it be a nothing role, but I think he brings a little bit more to it. Yeah, one hundred percent. But let's get to the ones that really matter: let's the Bellas, it. the Barden Bellas, the so Barden Bellas. Let's work our way back up to the main one. Yeah, you know, let's let's, do it. let's start with that. Uh, we have Hannah Mae Lee as Lily. So this is this is the girl. That's yeah, this is the beatboxer. I think she's very uh, endearing in this movie, actually. I actually... I, I'm going to be fully honest with you. Like, of all the Bellas, I think she was the funniest. 
just because of that awkward nature, like of the whispering, like I am like that's very funny to me, and I like that. But the, what she's saying is very sick and twisted. It's very stuff. sick, twisted, dark stuff, and it's very funny. And I like that it's so like you know she whispers it. But it, what's fantastic is when she really comes out of the shell, she she's like beatboxing all over, and she's really good at it. And you're like, oh, that's her talent, and that's yeah. and it, what what's funny is her talent is kind of the crux to take the bellas to Isn't somewhere it? new yep. like to to send them to the next level so yep. they're not doing like you know the classics that yep. they were stuck doing she her talent is what amplifies them to the next level yep. and i think that's really a cool use of her character as we get through these 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 lower level bellas like i do just want to say like i i what i really appreciate and i'll talk about this more in opinions but i really appreciate that like they do a great job of like yeah like are these characters kind of one note but they really do a good job of hitting those notes and standing out because it could this could have been four girls in the bellas and a bunch of background people that nobody cares about right but you actually like you i you end up at least i did feel connected to these characters like Lily and the other ones we're going to talk about for sure because they give talented people the chance to to shine right you know um and the next one is Esther Dean is Cynthia Rose so this is the one who the whole joke about her is that uh she's gay or that they think that that she may be gay right okay um, so I I have I I have some issues with this so my so here's what I'm gonna say about that because I, I know exactly I know what you're exactly gonna say okay I Really, really liked certain aspects of that of that storyline, uh-huh. and I, when I rewatched this movie, I like did I criticized some. And the thing I criticized the most is that, like, in, especially in one specific scene, they make her basically a perv. Like she's yep. like grabbing on the girl. Like yes. I got you, and she's grabbing her all over her body. Yes. Yes. And I think that's the one part where they crossed the line with that, and that's the one part that did not work for me. So I, I agree with that one hundred percent. I think the perv stuff, but there, there's also a couple lines in here where it almost feels like they're shaming her for being no, gay. So I actually don't, I disagree with that because I, what I think is the joke, they set up a joke and, mm. and this, I give credit to Kay Cannon for this writing is that they set up a joke that you think the punchline is going to be that she's gay. Right. Right. They, they tease around like fat Amy early in the movie says something like, Hey, there's 10 girls here. Chances are one of us is gay. Right. Sure. Like one out of every, every 10 women is a lesbian. So I wonder who it is. Not, in like a bad way, but I wonder who it is. And mm. they and they make like, oh, I think it, I bet it's her, right? And they make references throughout that like maybe she's gonna come out as gay, and maybe she's gonna come out as gay. And then they have this big moment mm. where like everybody's confessing their secrets and whatever, and she gets up and every and ev- even the audience is thinking like, oh, she's gonna come out and say she's gay. Right. It's gonna be this big thing, and she just says, well, I have a gambling problem. And right, like, right, right. And the joke, but we, we see her earlier. In the movie, there's like a montage, and she's like, they're she's getting calls. The girls and oh, she's, 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 she's literally at a po- yeah. she's at a poker table, like playing yeah. poker, so and she it, gets the text. It does make sense, right. yeah. But she, oh, I have a gambling problem, uh-huh. and the payoff of that is that then she just casually mentions, well, it started when my my girlfriend and I broke up. So like, the joke is not that she's gay. The joke is right. that it's not important that she's gay. Mm. You know, the joke is that she is this person. She has other issues. Sure. And to me, I really like that. I, I well, think no, they, you're you're explaining your way out of this very well. I think <laughs> that they do a disservice themselves by right before that happens, having the moment where she's like groping the girl. Yes, yes. But that moment, I actually think is really strong, and that they're establishing, hey, we have a a queer character, we have a lesbian character mm. here, but 
that's not who she is, right? She is other, you know, she is a person and she has other problems and other right. things in her life other than the fact that she is gay because a lesser movie would, that moment would have been. They would harp on that. I am yeah. gay and I want you to know this and I'm afraid to, to come out to my friends. It doesn't matter. Right. You know what I mean? She's, right. She just casually mentions it. Right. You know what I mean? And okay, yeah. So I, I really liked that. Sure. So Yeah, I don't really have much to say on her other, I think you did a great job there. I mean, like I said, I, I, did take a couple issues with some of the lines. Like, I think there was, uh, again, I, what you're referencing, I think is right. But there's a few other lines you're in there right. that are a little off to me that just didn't work. And I was kind of like, I don't really like that. It's, but it's like, because Fat Amy keeps like throughout, like... She repeatedly goes out. She's waiting yeah. for the moment for her she's, to come out yeah. as gay. Yeah. But the joke's kind of on her at the end. So I think right. that the, the joke falls on Robert Wilson more than it does on, on Esther sure. Dean. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that's how I look at it. But And also, she's an extremely talented singer. Probably the... Uh, well, we'll talk about her as we get through. But right. probably the one, you know, the most uh, already established singer right, right. of this whole group. Gotcha. So I, so I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with, no, with who she no, is. No, I'm not. Um, she does have a background. So... We have Alexis Knapp as Stacy. So this is the overly sexualized. This is the one who's sleep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. She's like constantly sleeping around. Like that's her, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's it's fine. I mean, again, I don't. <laughs> the what I liked about this is that it could again it it could have been like it's not putting her down. She is like and it's an empowerment. Like yeah, she, she's, she's she's proud of it. Like yeah, she's proud that she's sleeping. Um, I don't hang on she's she's, she's proud she's of her owning, sexuality she's owning her sexuality you're right that's that and that was a very positive that's a very positive uh thing to put out there you know and that's great I'm glad that she is owning her sexuality it's fantastic to see that but like when it's the only character trait I think that was what was getting yeah. me the fact that that was her character trait she sleeps around is kind of ups- I don't know to me it's it's a little bit like we couldn't give her more personality like like her only trait like Again, I completely agree with you. Amazing she's owning the sexuality. That's awesome. But if her own, if that's the only thing that defines her, that she sleeps around, I don't know. I, I that get to it. me I get is it. just a little bit like we couldn't add more there, you know? She she also just she the way she delivers her lines with like confidence and like she, yeah. she has the the big line. <laughs> He's a hunter. Yes. <laughs> it's like it's a he. It's a he. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we can go to uh, Brittany Snow as Chloe. So this is now yes. we're going into the four. Now we're going into the four right? main ones. This is uh, this she's is good. Yeah. yeah, she's really good. She's the one who is um, open to change. Yep, yeah. <laughs> very open to change. Yep. Yeah, Brittany Snow is really good in the role. I like that she her character arc is kind of her growth in the group. Yep. Like you know, she's being held down by Aubrey yep. a lot of this movie, and in a way, she kind of becomes empowered through Becca's inclusion in the group like yeah ha- i can't believe we're talking about this movie <laughs> <laughs> like i <laughs> i'm like sitting here going and becca's a, like i can't believe we're talking about this movie she's very empowered <laughs> okay i feel like i'm like gossiping she's so empowered by becca's inclusion in the group <laughs> <laughs> but i like that she her arc becomes that she kind of becomes the leader of this group. Yeah. Because she's, she, she's kind of like the right-hand woman. To Aubrey, to, yeah. Yeah. She's kind of the right-hand woman to Aubrey at the beginning of this movie. 
But then as it keeps moving, we get to see her take the leadership role yeah. and stand up to Aubrey and say, we need change if we want to, you know, get anywhere with the Bellas. If we want to start winning, we need to change. Yeah. And I like that she's the one that's open to change and she's the one that kind of becomes empowered. Again, through Becca, really, seeing Becca's talent empowers her to say, we need to change Aubrey. Yeah. And in turn, making her one of uh, the leaders of the group, yeah. which we see continue, but... Yeah, I really like that arc for her. I thought that was a good arc to see her take that yeah, role. I do too. And one thing I'm going to mention here, doing this research, and, you know, this is the joy of doing this research, that apparently uh, there was, like, kind of, like, you know, like a shipping, you know, how, like, fan groups, like, to, to ship characters. Right. It's like a shipping between uh, Chloe and, and Becca, apparently. Oh. <laughs> uh, and, like, they kind of always, like, view that maybe these two should be together. And I think the big starting right. point is like the scene in the shower. Sure. Where she, they, she just opens singing. the curtain yeah, exactly. and they're singing together. And she's yeah. all openly confident about her body. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> everything like that. But uh, I know like that's kind of a, apparently a thing. And, and we'll talk about this. I'll stand for it. More in three. But I think like it got to the point that even the the actors like Anna Kendrick and Brittany Snow were like, yeah, why, why not? Like, like put us in that relationship. Yeah, like right? it, maybe that's the natural course of the yeah. films. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. Um, but I just I just did, I did wanted to mention that. But no, she is she's really great, and it, I I do feel bad for her for one reason because they give her. I mean, she's get the, she gets the the storyline of like you know she has the nodes or whatever. Sure. She gets some sort of right, right. They give her the really stupid gimmick of she can hit these incredibly low bass notes, uh. and she has to make this. Stupid face right. during the ending. Yeah. And everybody else is actually singing yes. And, yes. and performing and she's going boo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like I'm in the close up and like it looks like and it's not her fault, but like it looks bad. Like the face that she has to make looks bad. Yeah, I, I think they're just going for it for comedy. <laughs> well then they need they they need they a, need a base. A base. Yeah. So like they have to logistically get there and, yeah. and it makes It turns sense. out the surgery that she was so worried about that she wasn't going to be able to has do helped that, her do has that. Has literally opened up again it opens up a new realm for the Bellas yeah. because she has this note she can hit and you know they all bring uh, their own talent. I just the, the face was stupid. It's yeah. not her fault but yeah. Uh, no you're 100% <laughs> correct about that. Uh. <laughs> but we have uh, Anna Camp as Aubrey and uh, she does a great job as like this antagonist very like yeah controlling yeah. antagonist like uh, is very set in her ways like yep. of what the Bellas should be obviously like through a majority of this film she's very much like we have to stick to these songs because yep. these are the classics and this is how we win and they're not winning because these songs don't help them win they're yep. not you see the creativity of yep. the other acapella groups and then they go up on stage every year and it's the same thing and it's boring you watch their performance and compared to the other ones we've seen from the treble makers that's why they keep winning because they're creative and you see these other groups doing these creative things and then they go up there the bellas go up there and they're just walking around in circles going da 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 and you're like oh boy this is boring right like you get bored i like that her arc also is changing Yep. You know, she's controlling at the beginning, yep. and at the end, she finally admits, well, like, I can be very controlling. She has a really nice... But she also kind of has this dark backstory with her father, <laughs> <laughs> which is what, what is what adds into the controlling aspect. Uh, um, but she, she has a really, like, really small moment, I noticed, that during the final performance, like, she, this is this uptight, you know, like, yes. it has to be spick and span, like, woman, you know, woman like, yeah. the leader of this group, and, and, and this final performance... As they're singing these songs, and you know, she is the one who, like, she actually like takes off like her shirt, like she's got yeah. like, you know a tank top, or yeah. but she takes off like her her dressier shirt right. and throws it to the side, and it's kind of her like shedding this like prestigious yeah. like 
I have to look a certain way, I have to act a certain way, and yeah. really embracing this new like Bella culture and yes. and what what it means, yes. what that means, and everything like that. So the new the new direction yeah, of it's Bella's. such a small little moment, but I like that because not everybody's doing that. She's the only one that's doing that. It's right. like, oh, she is was hesitant. Now here she is, right. fully embracing this lifestyle. So really, this could be a, a character that could be really annoying mm-hmm. or like unredeemable, but she doesn't in the way that. You still like her, and that when she does come around, you you're happy that she's coming around. And you're happy she's coming around, and I think they do enough to kind of like humanize her to why she's behaving the way yeah. she does. And then you know she starts kind of opening up more, and you kind of realize like, oh, she's just very like, <laughs> she's been raised a specific way <laughs> by her father, and and she's taking all of that to heart, and she thinks that this is the way, and she also seems very like um, rooted in like tradition of the Bellas yep. like the Bellas have always been this thing and that's the way we have to stay yep. and I think that's also the aspect of her is that she's very rooted in the traditionalism of yep. it yeah and also you know she's somebody that like I missed her in two you know we'll talk about this more next we'll week, talk about two. Oh, the role, two that like, role is like yeah slash. I mean it makes sense because she's a senior like it wouldn't make sense if she was there right like, they had to pull some strings to even right. get Britney Snow's character still there yeah you, you miss her you know, when she's not there. So, but the big two, we have Rebel Wilson as Fat Amy, and and this is one that we've talked about. And I know, yeah. uh, you know, we talked about Adam Devine kind of being this like not controversial, but like this like figure that people are like, oh, they're hot and cold on kind yeah. of. And, and I think that I think Rebel Wilson is that. Is that yeah. you either love Rebel Wilson and everything she does, or you're like, I can't stand her. Yeah. And I I really I really like her, especially in this movie. I think that she does a great job. I am only going to speak to this movie to this because movie. I I really don't keep up with her work, and I. Can't can't say one way or the other yeah, how, yeah, yeah. you know how I feel about her in other movies or as an actress I, you know I can really only speak to this well by the end to this series really but um, one movie at a time yeah. one movie at a time look I think in this movie it's well balanced yes you know she's not over dominating it's very like we we kind of spoke about it but she's clearly there for a very specific comedic purpose it works in this movie because it's not overbearing it's very much like she's there she says some wild stuff and then she's gone and it goes back to the main story but she doesn't really have an arc really you know she's kind of the comedic no, element yeah. like the arc I guess is like the budding romance with Bumper yeah. but even that isn't really they don't really play on it too much I think this movie I think was... she is literally there just for the comedy like she is there to deliver some wild lines and that's it and you know she's more like you know I guess she's a little, like middle, little bit more like she's a little bit more maybe accepting of people or like maybe trustworthy I guess because she does talk a little bit about like even the reason why she is called Fat Amy is because right. she's afraid people will, will call her Fat Amy behind her back so that's why she embraces it and makes it better. Well, so, we, yeah, we kind of talked about this and so, that and that that aspect of it is like empowering to her. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's how like her relationship with other people. Maybe that's kind of how it is. I don't know. Right. I also like we get a little tease of it here or like. Like, she makes, like, a couple jokes about, like, oh, I have all these boyfriends or kind of, like, hints that maybe, like, there's a little bit more of a luxurious life. And when we see this, like, montage of them recruiting, we actually see that she's not yeah. making this up and that yeah. Yeah. she is telling she's, the truth. She's legitimately, that is her life. Like, she's very, <laughs> like, she's never lying. You know, it may come off. Like, that's the thing with the character. It's, it sometimes sounds like maybe she's lying. Yeah. But she's not. She's full on telling the truth. Like, yeah. even when she first walks in on the campus and they have, like, the acapella group thing open and they're trying to get people to sign up for their clubs. Like, she walks by and they go, oh, can you sing? She goes, yeah, I can sing. And, and you're she like, can. and But you're sitting there at first and you're going, the way she delivered that, I don't think she can. And then she starts singing and you go... 
oh my god, she can't actually sing, and she is actually a vital part of the Bellas. Yeah. There's no doubt about and that. And she has, like, yeah, she has, like, a couple of good stand-up moments, like, when she does the, when she does the, she helps him win, like, when she does the solo, and she actually puts, like, the energy in, yeah, and, she's, yeah. and she's ripping the shirt, like, yeah, that's, and she that's really goes for it. Yeah, it's a nice moment. Yeah, and look, to this performance, I think this is probably, <laughs> of the two I've seen, this is probably the better performance. I like this yeah, one yeah, more, yeah. because it is... It is more restrained, I guess, to a degree. Like, it's not as um, over the top. Like, even though she's saying wild lines, it's it works for me in this movie, and I wasn't I wasn't rubbed the wrong way by it. I was like, this is good. And I think they do a good job of, like, because I know... They balance her. With Robert Wilson, and uh, we talked about this, Melissa McCarthy kind of, uh, for a while, kind of yeah. got the same thing. Is like, oh, all they do is they make jokes about being big or being fat or overweight or whatever. Yeah, they do weight jokes. And I don't themselves. think... She makes some jokes, but I don't think like, her character... Like, I mean, obviously, the character is called Fat Amy, so like right. that is a part of the character, but not everything she does here that's funny is weight related. Like right. she has a couple moments, and obviously, especially in the beginning, but like she she generally is funny, and I've and you know not, well, she has jabs at people that yeah, are funny. Yeah, that she are takes funny. jabs at people, and even at the end of this movie, I mean, there's a little blooper they put at the end of yes, the movie there yeah. where she says a line, and Anna Kendrick just like looks at her and is like, "What?" Oh, like is about, is it about her being ginger or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like, about being ginger. And she just like she like yeah, she like says the thing about her being ginger. And and then she laughs, and you're like, she like clearly improved that yeah. because Anna Kendrick was not expecting it. No, and no, I, I like that. I mean, look, she improved a lot of this, yeah. and you could tell she improved a lot of this. For and sure, they, they were letting her go. And I mean, I was actually earlier was watching like things of like, extended, you know, on the Blu-ray they have like extended sequences of of a lot of like the major scenes, like the job, the the career, not career, the 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 community fair, or whatever, right, right, the beginning, right. the club fair, yeah, and like. She does a whole shtick and 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 she does stuff and especially her with Adam Devine they improvise a lot of stuff right, and right. like again not weight related like there's a whole great little like riff they do in like doing really terrible impersonations of like celebrities <laughs> or she's like right. you want to see my Jim Carrey I'm the cable guy and like that's like to me that I think that's that's <laughs> funny like yeah I wish they so, kept that in movie I would like that <laughs> yeah I would have liked that so unfortunately no, and maybe it's not on her but like they took like the jokes that are about weight because maybe there's the one that played better to a general audience yeah but it sounds like she was giving them plenty of stuff to work off of yeah not it sounds necessarily like necessarily weight yeah. jokes right so. right but then we can talk about the lead of this movie, yeah. Anna Kendrick as Becca Mitchell. You mentioned it, Anna Kendrick, you know, in the late 2000s, you know, it was 2009, I believe. 2009, Up in the Air. I was nominated for Academy Award for yeah. Up in the Air, yeah. Yeah, she's like the most prestigious, I guess, prestigious actress walking into this thing. Yeah, and, you know, it's she's really interesting to me because she's had an interesting career because I thought she would have, like... yeah been this big award-winning actress by now yep. and like and she's done a lot of successful stuff but yeah. like i don't think she's ever like like she was at her most critically successful with up in the air and yeah. she's at her most financially successful with the, the pitch perfect franchise yep. she's never gotten back to that which i think is but interesting I, I, I almost don't know if she really cares that much i don't think she does she doesn't seem like, like she does like she's, i don't really think she cares that much because i think she's kind of just doing projects she wants to do like i don't think she's a hollywood actress who is specifically going out to change awards clout no like, no I, I think she is more like up in the air came her way it was a great opportunity you know you get to work with george clooney and she does the movie it does really well for her you know i think she kind of she took 
pitch perfect because it looked like a fun role. Yeah. And she came back. She did three movies. Yeah. And, you know, I think for her, it was more of a, like, I, I, I don't really care about awards. Yeah. Like, I'm just doing movies because I like doing them. I'm not saying that, like, I mean, she's more not recently getting seen... the opportunities. Right. But it's just, I'm just surprised that she didn't go in that direction. I'm sure she's, the opportunities are there, but maybe she's choosing not to. She seems like a very laid back person, though. Yeah, she like, does. it doesn't really, like, bother her, like, yeah. that kind of stuff. I mean, I know, I, I haven't watched the show, but I know she was on that HBO Max show, Love Life. Yeah. And that did really well, apparently. People yeah. really liked her on that show. So, I don't know. I, th- I think she's just a much more laid back I mean, person. Literally, HBO launched with, with that show. Like, that was, like, the attraction. Like, yeah. We have an Anna Kendrick. TV like, we have show. an Anna Kendrick. Sh- yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Like, so her name does carry weight. Yes. But I don't think she, she seems like a very laid back person. Look, anyway, to this role, though, yeah. Becca, she's awesome. She's really yeah. good. She, she is awesome. She plays what could have been a two dimensional character in a pretty three dimensional manner. She yeah. brings some energy to it. Um, like you, she, know, you can t- you can tell the energy she brings is really unique. The character of Becca is kind of an unlikable person, and yes. but Anna Kendrick is likable. So yes. you play she, it, it, it kind of balances out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it's literally like she's a loner. She doesn't want to be around anybody. Yep. She doesn't even like movies. She's, like, she's pretty She's pretty shut off from the world. Like, yeah. As somebody who loves movies, it's hard for me to connect to a main character in a movie that's literally saying, oh, I hate movies. But her arc, she comes back around. <laughs> she again. ends up loving yeah, it. Yeah, she ends up watching. She watches uh, the end of The Breakfast Club and cries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she comes around on it, which I think is really great. She had a whole stack of movies, I guess, she was watching or listening yeah, to the soundtracks. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, she really, so. she really um, yeah, again, and that's her character arc. Her character yeah. arc is literally she shuts people out yeah but as the movie goes on the bellas make her more embracing friendship yeah embracing friendship she becomes she comes kind of out of that lonerism out of that shell and really starts embracing people around her the bellas and her relationship with jesse absolutely um and i think that's a really really great thing for her is her is she the character with her father? Her father's a teacher. Her father's a teacher. They don't continue that. No, it drops. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that disappears completely. <laughs> but I like that, you know, her father's like a teacher there. But like, you know, I, I imagine that's also a very overbearing thing. Because her father seems a little overbearing. Well, it's like also always... that he, I think they, they say like later in the movie, like he left. Like like he, they, there's a divorce between the parents. Like he, right. He left them. So, yes. um, and she makes reference to he's like, you know, you're going to just quit. It's like, you're going to, you're going to say that to yeah, me? Yeah, you're like, going to say that to me? Like. You're, I'm, yeah. So I, I, I like the character. I do like the character of Becca, especially by the end of the movie because yeah. she comes out of that shell. When they do that final musical number, she's fantastic yeah, in it. She is. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's a great character for her. And, and she, it's, it's one of those roles that she's going to be known for for a very long time. Oh, absolutely. And she, I mean, she gets the, the, the I mean, it's iconic, honestly, the, the audition scene with the cup. You know? Oh, the cup scene is great. Yeah, so. she's really good with that scene. And she can really do that. Yeah, that, like, well, that was her, yeah. Yeah, that was really her doing that scene. I watched, like, something recently. I watched just on YouTube. Like, I think there was, like, a Letterman video. She's on David Letterman promoting the movie. Yeah. And they talk about that scene. And she has a cup there. And she does it, like, on his show yeah. right there a lot. And you're like, oh, my God, that's yeah. so cool. Like, she can really still do it. We'll talk about the origins of that a yeah, little bit later. Cool. Um, but one last uh, cast member I want to say, we don't need to talk about him, but I just wanted to point out, I think I did say this to you as well, uh, Freddie Stroma is here as, as the DJ, as the, the, the radio station host. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not familiar with who that is, 
I wasn't until uh, recently because he currently is having an amazing run as Vigilante on Peacemaker. Yes, yes. And it's really great to see, like, it's the same guy. It's the same guy. He just has a DJ. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really uh, fantastic. Really cool just to see, you know. And, and I mean, look, we can touch on him in cast. I, we talked about, like, one of my favorite things that this movie does is that every little role, mm-hmm. they get somebody extremely talented. And, you know, I don't have names for everybody, but, like, you know, Christopher Mintz-Plant's popping up for two scenes. Yeah. As, like, the guy who, like, I guess organizes the whole acapella group thing yeah he looks like he holds like auditions for yeah. uh, the and, acapellas and like just everybody like you know the everybody who's in like the, the i think they're called the tone makers the tone like, donald, makers. donald, donald Faison. Faison. um jason jones uh joe latrulio joe, joe latruglio something like yeah that. yeah latrulio latruglio and then there's a fourth guy i don't know who, who his name what his name is yeah. but like even those roles are very funny because they pop up and you're just like what do these people do? This is so funny. Yeah. And they're just, it's random, but it's funny. What could have been small, you know, like we can get anybody to do this yeah. or we don't need this. And they include these people that are really funny. And again, this is something that they will continue later on in the series as well. Yeah. But they just continue. I mean, even honestly, even John Michael Higgins and Elizabeth Banks, like oh, yeah, to get time. extremely yeah. talented people. I mean, Elizabeth Banks is a different story because she's involved behind the scenes of very this. involved yeah. but you know to to get it's just extremely funny and talented people to take what could be nothing roles and elevate it so right that's what i think about the cast we can move on from there let's do it i have a synopsis for you my friend when loner and aspiring dj becca mitchell begins attending barden university she finds herself catapulted in the world of acapella and reluctantly becomes a member of the barden bellas the bellas must work together to win the collegiate acapella championship while also learning the importance of friendship teamwork and what it really means to be pitch perfect wow how amazing is that are you gonna <laughs> fix uh are you gonna put the title of each movie in and find out what it really means to be pitch perfect too we'll see <laughs> <laughs> i hope so yeah let's let's talk the story real quick real, real quick, quick. Um, it, it's again this is a movie that the story is not really important right the story is mm-hmm. it's pretty cliched it's pretty general you know like loner girl learns power friendship or whatever generic generic kind of generic but it's everything around it and it's the characters it's the jokes it's the music it's the song choice it's the yeah. choreography it's that's what everything brings it to life yeah that brings it to life and and that kind of stands it out but right. it, you know Kate Cannon does a great job with this, with the story, but mm-hmm. it's really the extra element of like everything else, you right. know, and in in the script and the writing that that really helps it stand out. Yeah, so. absolutely. I think it's the most straightforward story they have. You know, compared to the two I've seen, this feels like the most straightforward story yeah. where characters have arcs. Everyone has growth at the end. Is yeah. what I want to say. Like it feels like every character gets some sort of growth at the end, and that's really great to see. Like they all hit this stride. They all have growth. They're, it's whether it's standing up to somebody, whether it's like not being a loner anymore, whether it's embracing an aspect about themselves, like all of that, that's the growth. And I mm-hmm. think that's what makes the story stand out is yep. that it has that. But Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's simple. And like I said, like, you know, I can talk about this with the story a little bit. Like it walks a really fine line of like telling, like setting this world and highlighting this world of, of acapella and people who love acapella. Right. But it also like, makes fun of it and pokes fun of it sure. and, and, and acknowledges the ridiculousness of it. Right. And that's a really hard task because it's not a straight out parody movie. It's not a, it's not a movie that's saying if you like this you're stupid or you're dumb right. but it's right. also like we're embracing like 
this is so much fun and this is what we're doing, but it's also acknowledging like this is kind of weird and this is kind of silly. You it's know, kind of ridiculous. I mean? so, yeah, yeah they, if you really think about what they're doing, I mean, even you know, like you know, little jokes throughout, like. Oh, you know, if you win this riff off, we're going to give you the prize of a microphone that was used by Hoobastank. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hoobastank. <laughs> I want that. So, you know, we're like... Aren't they, aren't they that band that does that depressing song? Yeah. That's such yeah, a, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's a very depressing song. But, um... I want you to know... That's the song. But, uh... Or Bumper... <laughs> You know, abandoning the group to go uh, work John with Mayer's John back, Mayer, background singer or something. Like, wasn't that the arc? Yeah. Like, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I have to go be John Mayer's background singer. Or, or what something is it, like they that. said there, there's a joke. Oh, Bumper just recently launched launched a, a line of men's relaxed men's sandals or men's relaxed sports sandals, sandals sports or sandals. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> like, but yeah, that's the thing. And that's what makes kind of Bumper unlikable <laughs> yeah. is that he. Literally just walks out of the group, yeah. like right before they're supposed to perform for these, you know, for these for this competition yeah. for this championship, and he just walks out going, "Oh yeah, no, I'm taking this job with John Mayer. I yeah. have to go." So yeah, it, it's like, oh, this is this is so much fun. We're having so much fun, yeah. but it's also ridiculous. Yeah, it's also ridiculous. So, uh, but yeah, let's get into our opinions. Yeah, you know? okay. I'm I'm really interested to hear your you know your <laughs> overall thoughts on this sure. movie. Look, at the end of all of this, I think I said it right. I, I, first of all, I said at the beginning, it does feel like a glorified Glee episode. But I think the general thing I also got out of this is that while everything around the story and everything is entertaining, at the end of it, it does kind of feel like a generic teen comedy to mm-hmm. me. This is a musical comedy. I think they nail the musical aspect much, much more than the comedy aspect. There are jokes that work in this yeah. movie. Uh, like I said, I love the little supporting roles from Faison, Christopher Mintz Platz. Like, all of that stuff works. And even some of the jokes from the Bellas or the Troublemakers works. But overall, I wasn't, like, laughing out loud. Mm-hmm you know, slapping my knee, having a great time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I didn't really have that that feeling with it. I didn't have that experience with it. I just kind of walked away from it. Like, I could totally understand why people like the movie, but maybe it's because I came to this 10 years later. I don't have, like, a memory of this movie of yeah. when it first came out. Because I... Dude... For 2012, this would crush. And I can totally see why. Now in 2022, as a 29-year-old, I'm kind of looking at it like, "Eh, it doesn't really do much for me now. And I think maybe that's part of it. But overall, I thought the musical numbers were fantastic. Like, I thought all of the musical numbers were really, really well done in this movie. And that really stood out to me a lot. Like, I was like, the the musical number, like... This, they're killing it with the music yeah. stuff. Like, I love the uh, the competition, the riff-off. The riff-off is great. It's great. That's a great scene. Yeah. And I'm like, this is really well done. And, I, I, like, those aspects I really like, which, I'm, I, I, as I said, the musical number, the musical aspect, aspect of this film, yeah. they nail. But the story is just a little generic, I think. I yeah. think it's kind of a generic comedy. It feels like a generic big studio comedy at the end with... You know, the, the characters are fine. They all stand out in their own ways. But I, I totally see why it's a hit. I totally yeah. get it. But for me, it didn't work all the way. You yeah. know what I mean? It didn't go all the way for me. But that that's kind of my general opinions. Is like I And I liked it. Yeah. I liked it, but I wasn't, you know, laugh out loud. This is great. Like, yeah. I, I more just found it good than great. I really like this movie. I mean, obviously, I mean, this dates back 10 years for me. I saw mm. it in theaters. But I just think it, it's, it's a fun, feel-good comedy. Like, it does mm. a great job of, like... Yeah, you're right. There are some aspects of it that are generic, especially the story, right? Sure. But, like, what elevates that, like I mentioned, it is everything around it, right? Like, I think this movie is almost perfectly casted. Mm. Even down to, like... I agree we, with that. We talked about, like, 
you know, those little characters, the, the, the Cynthia Rose or the Lily or the, the Stacy, like, yes, they are one note. And like maybe some notes, some, mm. some parts of that don't work out, right? Like right. a woman whose whole characteristics that she likes sex. Like that, the, yeah. that is a little whatever, but like how they use them, not just as characters, but also like even in like the performances, I was really impressed by because this isn't the Becca show. This isn't the Anna Kendrick Rebel Wilson show. Yeah, like yeah. there's these seg these these segments and whether it's the ripoff or mm-hmm. or the or the finale or whatever these performances where these other characters are getting moments to have like solos and and stand out and like and they include their characteristics into the songs right. like using Stacy to sing songs about sex during the ripoff. Right, I right. thought really worked. Like yeah, like again that's a one note treat for that character but embracing it having her get in the face and singing the songs that she's singing and 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 having you know cynthia rose who who we you know are learning more about the sexuality of this character and the way that they use her and her comfort level with with them and just how they play off everything and in that final performance where every i think everybody gets a moment to shine yeah and i was really impressed by that because they could say Oh, you know, Anna Kendrick, that's the star. She needs a moment to shine. But, like, she gets a solo, but she's not the solo. Yeah. yeah you know what I mean? Not it's not all about her. And yeah. I was, I was, I just, that really worked for me. Sure. Uh, especially, you know, we talk about ensembles, you know, Fast and Furious and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's important that you give these people time to shine. And even, like, the background singers, like, they do have, I think it's a really funny joke of, like, have you girls even been here? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> we've been here the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> But you know, just being able to flush that out, being able to to make this world work, like the, right. the fact that they are able to make that work, that they, they are able to acknowledge the ridiculousness, the ridiculous of the nature of the world of acapella. And right. yes, it, it is. It, it could have been an episode of Glee, but like they play it in such a fun manner. Like I've sure. never really watched Glee. I think I've seen one episode, but like they play this in such a fun manner and in a. A comedic manner mm. and and that works and no you're right there's no not that many like moments of like slap your knee laugh out loud especially 10 years later right. but it's just a fun time feel good it is a time capsule almost of what it's like to be right. in 2012 i was in college in 2012 mm. and that's what it was yeah and yeah does that work 10 years later like if somebody comes to this movie i don't know if like a teenage girl who comes to this movie or even a teenage boy who comes to this movie could connect to that because mm-hmm. it, they might think it's dated or whatever but to me overall just um it captured that atmosphere of right. it even down to like you know how they have like the the, the club fair like yeah, yeah, the yeah. things and like they're like even subtle things like there's people playing quidditch in the background love that. you know what i mean like yeah. there's just random things like that it feels authentic almost sure you know what I mean? and it yeah. feels real but it and, it and it again it just goes back to like the chemistry of, of the bellas and their interactions with everybody so right. i just had a great time watching that and and it to me it really worked for that like right. there are weaknesses in this movie i recognize this like it's not the best plot it's it's pretty generic right yeah. but what could have been nothing and we're going to talk about this as we get into the sequels uh-huh. that that's what that movie could have been and honestly for sure. yeah probably for the time it was made probably should have been that but this movie has elevated itself in such a, a manner that it really stands out and it really shines in it's not going to win Oscars. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to be, you know, on lists of the best movies of all time. But it's a fun movie. Sure. And, and one thing yeah. I did want to mention, too, you know, back when we turned from 
2019-2020, I made a personal, like, list of mine, like, not, like, a top 10 list by any means, but, like, I just wrote down names of movies from the 2010s that stood out to me. And right. I included Pitch Perfect in that list. I went through every movie that was released and just wrote down a list. And I right. wrote down Pitch Perfect because, again, for those reasons of, like, it, I think it does a great job of capturing that time. And, like, you know, we look at, like, our generation's, mm-hmm. like, teen movies. You know, because right. every generation kind of has their own teen movies. Right. And do you, what do you think, if I ask you, what is the what is the defining of, like, our generation's, like, what do you think of our defining teen movie is? Super bad. That's a good one. I, th- <laughs> I You know what I actually think it is? I think it's Mean Girls. Yeah, that's true. I that's think a good one, I too. think it's Mean Girls. Yeah. Even more than Super Super Rad's up there, I think it's Mean Girls. Mm. Um, you know, and maybe, again, maybe that's more of a, a, a female perspective. Sure. And maybe Super Rad's more of a male perspective. But this, like, high school movie, and I know this is college, but still, like... Right. That movie, Mean Girls, is iconic like it's oh, still sure. quoted to this day it's still quoted to this day i mean it got a musical yeah like it's it's only grown in power this almost hit mean girls level like right. the popularity of this movie right. almost it, right. it and i think the sequels honestly probably brought it back down a little bit yeah but this got for a while really really close to hitting that mean girl right status. right so yeah overall just i think it's really well done you know not the best movie by any means but but just a good time mm-hmm. so I did. I give it four stars. Yeah, I give it three. Again, it sounds like you have. I, I think part of that is it sounds like you have more of a personal connection to this movie than I yeah. do. And I, I just, I don't have that. I think if you would have saw this movie like, ten I, years ago, it probably oh for sure, it probably would have worked better. But come looking at it with eyes ten years later, as someone who's never seen it, yeah, it's it. Look, it's not one of my favorite things I've ever seen, and I kind of walked away from it like it's fine, it's fine. And you're right, it's a fun movie. There's no doubt about that. It yeah. is fun. I would rewatch this one again, yeah. for sure. Uh, over the sequels, <laughs> um, I would rewatch this one. Yeah. Like if somebody did sit down and say, you know, I have Pitch Perfect here and I really want to watch it, I'd watch it. Yeah. I would watch it. You know, I didn't walk away from it hating it. No, I thought it was yeah. a good movie and I thought it was fun. But by no means did I walk away saying this is one of the best movies I've seen in a long. You know what I mean? Like so, that's just me though. Yeah, no, and I completely get that. Like I said, I I think you're right. It may be this nostalgia, maybe it's whatever. But the way that it's made mm-hmm. is it is it a four star movie? Like four star technically made movie? No, but I right. think I think the ele- the elements of it. I can't say that enough. I know I'm repeating myself, but the elements of it together mm-hmm. really work and elevate it. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, let's talk uniqueness. So, what stands out to you in this movie? To me, it's the musical numbers. That's the biggest thing that stood out to me. I I just loved the musical stuff in this movie. Yeah. That's another big reason why it's three stars for me it is those musical numbers it elevates this movie to another level because they're all really fun they're all really fun and creative and interesting and it works so i find i found that to be the most unique part of it yeah, it's the relationships of the characters and the songs for mm-hmm. me. Uh, does this bring anything new? I think, honestly, as far as like new is concerned, I think it kind of breaks ground as far as like musical comedies are concerned. In, in like a different way because it, it shows a more modern way because we, we've gotten obviously we, we've seen musical comedies before this but this is such a niche thing it's the acapella vibe that brings a new aspect to the musical comedy. I don't think we've never seen an acapella musical comedy before. And I think that's what makes uh, this stand out in a way that like, that's why it's new is because, Oh, it's a musical comedy, but focusing very specifically on the acapella world, which we've never seen. So I think that's the, the new aspect if I had to say. I would say also the female heavy cast because oh, I, for I, sure. again, yeah. I know that that wasn't brand new. You know, Bridesmaid came out a couple of years before this. I want to right. Bridesmaid's just nine, I think. 
I think Bridesmaids was part of that 09. Yeah. Year. I think that was part of 09. Um, so I know it came out a couple years before this. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, obviously that's a female-centric cast. And, right. I, and I'm sure that there have been, you know, before this. And I know there's been some sense. But, like, right. the fact that, like, it's not afraid to put the women out front and, and have sure. them be funny and yeah. be... Be different types of characters, you know. That's not. Right. It's not these standard female performances that you would think. Right. And also, um, I think it's a story that appeals to everybody, and no matter what your gender yeah, is, for sure, you can watch this as a man, or as a woman, or anybody, and just really enjoy this. And I think that that, that was something that at the time of this movie was only just happening because mm-hmm. we, I think we we had like the the chick flick, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And this is like the the, the bridging the gap of like, no, I saw this as a, as a teen, literally teenager, I was nineteen years old when I right. saw this movie. I guess I just turned twenty actually, and. I still liked it. I still connected with it. You right. know what I mean? It's not It's not a boy movie or a girl movie. You know what I right, mean? So right. I give it credit for that. Well, what do you think is the best scene of this movie? For me, it is the riff-off. I really liked the riff-off. I thought it was a lot of fun. It, it was such a uh, funny thing to see all these kids like in this... What was that? It's like a pool. A, a pool. An abandoned pool. Like a drained pool. And they're they're just throwing around like... Uh, Songs. Music, music, yeah. top, yeah, music topics saying, oh, we have to, music themes. And they're saying it has to be this theme. And they would all come out and do something different. And I thought that was really cool. And I'm glad they actually kind of kept that in later in two, because yeah. they do a, a version of that again. And I believe they do in three as And well. I'm sure they do it in three as well. But I really, really liked that scene a lot in this one, because it just worked for me. And it wasn't like over the top. It was just like a bunch of college kids having a riff off and it's fun it's a lot of fun and i i look i i know there's other uh arguments that can be made like the finale is really good too that was kind of another close second for mm-hmm. me i kind of looked at the finale because i like i think that really stuck the landing that musical number but there's just something really organic and fun about that yeah. riff off that worked for me and i was like this is really really great and the amount of songs they cover in what is it, like five six minutes it's great yeah i mean it's incredible it's it's just a lot of fun so i yeah i would i would say the riff off for me i have the riff off as as runner up uh i like the finale as well but yeah. I, you know what? i'm gonna pick the audition scene the oh, Kelly Clarkson yeah, yeah, audition okay. scene. Yeah. Because it's introducing so many different characters. Again, these minor characters. With like some of them, like, you know, we get like Benji and Jesse and, and Fat Amy are in there. Right. But like, but like a lot of the minor characters and it's their time to kind of shine. Right. And this song and like we're learning so much about, you know, we have Stacy who's like grabbing herself and everything. <laughs> and like we are learning about these characters. And like we learn so much. Again, Lily who's singing the entire song. Like just the entire yeah, and they're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, uh, that was the scene where I genuinely laughed out loud, like, throughout yeah, the entire oh, scene. Sure. Because they nailed it. Like, and it's, it's, I mean, they all do a great, it's, overall, it's a great, like, rendition of the song. Right. But it's also really funny. And, yeah, and yeah, it really it works. Because you see some really, like, bad performances, yeah, too, in but, there. Where... But, like, the, the, yeah, the guy who's singing, like, opera. Yeah, like, he's like, since you've been gone. Like, good lord. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that, that to me, and I know people were saying, like, that is, I saw online, like, the consensus is, that's a really, you know, popular scene. I think, as you're mentioning it, I totally agree with you, because I, I enjoyed that scene as well, yeah. and um, I, I would actually say that's my runner-up, because, like, again, I like, I like, I, I agree with, yeah. I like the finale, the finale's great, and the riff-off well, scene worked for me, but that audition scene is a close second, if somebody, it's really good. If somebody asked you to define the Pitch Perfect franchise mm-hmm. in one scene, it's it's that scene, It's that I scene, think. yeah, 100%. Because you, it gives you exactly what you need to know about this film. Right. So, connectivity, how does this, you know, set the tone for the franchise? 
<laughs> uh, it sets the tone, I suppose, in the way that like we get to see the fir- for the first time really, is that we get to see this acapella world, and it sets the tone of this acapella musical world that we've never seen before and we're going to continue exploring i would say that's kind of the big tone setter because again there's not a lot to like say that like it sets all that like no i think it's really like the acapella world that sets the tone for what this becomes it's literally what i have it establishes the acapella loving world hey <laughs> uh, and like again this like kind of like heightened reality of like this is our our world, but everything's right. a little bit up, a little bit more. Yeah, you know, they're a little they're, more yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it's heightened um, reality. Yeah, right. And <laughs> and the dynamic between all the characters, because we're going to see this play out in the next two movies. Absolutely. So. Right. Do you think this is a good start for the franchise? Yes, I do. I genuinely do. I did like the movie to a degree, and I I think as far as like a first movie is concerned, this works. Like you could definitely build off this and continue doing uh, other movies like this with the same cast and really explore this cast more and explore themes in uh, the later movies um maybe you pick the wrong themes who knows we'll talk about that next week uh, <laughs> maybe there's something that should maybe, be a five second jokes the crux of yeah the movie. maybe maybe you uh maybe you decide to go a completely different direction in the second movie and say remember all that stuff people didn't like let's amplify it but you know that's next week's talk but i think it's like a base though this is a really solid movie and there, there is a version of Pitch Perfect 2 that uh, could have been better. But this is a great start. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great start. Well, before we do the future of the franchise, let's mm. do some casting and some fun facts. Let's do it. So we actually get a, a decent amount. Not, not a whole bunch, but, you know, with the before trilogy, we really didn't have much. We have casting news this time. You know, yeah. We actually have some. And some fun facts, too. So I'm really excited for this. So casting. Uh, Anna Kendrick was actually the first choice for Becca after oh. the producers of the film saw her performance and up in the air so mm. you know, big part in getting you know getting her this role that's really cool uh kay cannon apparently actually asked rebel wilson to audition for the film through a facebook message so. <laughs> really she just <laughs> wow when facebook messenger i mean it's still a thing but that's very funny yeah oh because i think they saw her role in bridesmaids you know, right rebel right. wilson's is in bridesmaids small is, role yeah, but she's small in role. yeah a lot of people were talking about her after that yeah when auditioning for the role of Fat Amy, Rebel Wilson was recognized for her performance in Bridesmaids. So I guess like Kate Cannon reached out to her, but right. then I guess the people who were actually running the call right. didn't necessarily know who she was. But then they recognized her, right? And um, basically, you know, once they recognized her, she basically won the role. She just got the instantly. role immediately. They were like, You're um, "So I, I know too." Like you know, with like this movie, mm-hmm. kind of the thing is like. When you audition, you had to have a song. Right. It's so like the thing is that apparently she auditioned with uh, "Edge of Glory" by is it oh, Lady Gaga. Cool. Yeah, Edge of and Glory. And apparently, like Gaga. it ended up with like the producer just thought it was so funny. Like right. she put her whole body. You no, know, she's slamming her hand on her chest by the end of the song, <laughs> and like, they were just sold. So yeah, yeah, I love, I love that. that. That's cool. Um, Adam Devine was personally chosen for his role due to his work on Workaholics. Hey, okay. Um, so so he, he was asked to... So I saw kind of contradicting thing, contradicting things, but like from what I got, that basically they asked him to audition. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he really knew what this movie was. Right. Uh, apparently he thought it was about baseball because of Pitch, Pitch Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So he was not prepared to sing a song during his right. audition. Right. And so they asked him to sing, and the first song that came to his head was, I believe, was the Full House theme song. So <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. So helped him get the, helped him get the role. <laughs> um, the role of Gail was actually written for Kristen Wake. Oh, um, interesting. Which would have been great in yeah. the role. Uh, she had scheduling conflicts. 
Amy Poehler was actually considered to replace her mm. uh, before they just went to Elizabeth Banks. She was already involved in the movie. She was right. a producer in the film. Why don't we just give it to Elizabeth Banks? And right. Elizabeth Banks is, is great. But She's great, but there's a world. two other with... really funny women. Yeah, so. yeah. And uh, apparently Brie Larson reportedly auditioned for a role in the film. So. Brie Larson Brie did. Larson. You know who yeah. I think she would have done? I think it would have been Aubrey. Yeah, she would have been great, I, I think. think. it would have been Aubrey. Yeah. For whatever re- That's what I feel. I think it would have been Aubrey. She would have been great. Brie Larson did... Do a movie with Anna Kendrick, else time ahead at least. They were both in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Very true. Very true. So. I always forget Anna Kendrick was in that movie. Anna Kendrick. It's such a small role because she's she's the uh, sister. The sister. And it's such a small role. God, that movie's so good. Well, that's, I, that's a movie I wish we could talk about in this pocket. <laughs> that's such a good movie. Well, that, she, that's kind of when you were talking like, about Anna Kendrick. Franchise stars in that. Oh, oh. Chris Evans? Come when on. you were talking about Anna Kendrick, that made me think of like, like she has like a lot of like, like smaller roles in mm-hmm. like these, these movies are supposed to be bigger movies. Scott Program vs. the World wasn't, it, it didn't right. do very well, but right. uh, what's supposed to be this big I would movie. say it's kind of a cult classic. Yeah. Now. Yeah. But like, I mean, she also, uh, Anna Kendrick has small roles in the Twilight franchise. So yes. we will be talking about her when we get to that. Too. Very so true. I just yeah. think that's really interesting. But even though, like, I think of her like as like a movie star, but mm-hmm. here she is in these tiny roles. Right. So, but some other fun facts. So the film is based off the book Pitch Perfect: The Quest for Collegiate Acapella Glory. Mm. And that book is written by Mickey Rapkin. The book is actually nonfiction, and it follows various collegiate acapella groups and covers the singings, groupies, and partying. So it's actually about like this real world, like world wow. environment. And these guys, I guess, followed, like, you know, these acapellas, mm. collegiate singers, and to see what it was like. And a lot of that, I guess, kind of came from there. That's fantastic. Deke Sharon and Ed Boyer, two members of the acapella community who were both featured in the book, uh, were brought onto the film to work on the music. Oh, cool. And ran, they ran a month-long acapella boot camp. For the, for the uh, stars of this film. I love when uh, stars get put through like boot camps. Yeah. Like remember Saving Private Ryan? Yeah. All the stars were told to go, except Matt, Matt Damon. Matt Damon, yeah. So all, because Steven Spielberg said, uh, we want everyone else to resent you. So you can't go. Elizabeth Manx acted as a co-producer as well as featuring in the film. Uh, in the riff-off sequence, Esther Dean, who plays Cynthia Rose, sure. sings S&M, which is a song that she co-wrote. Uh, so With I Rihanna. So I, I wanted maybe to, Rihanna didn't write it, but she co-wrote so it. So I wanted to mention Esther Dean. She is a very successful songwriter, singer mm. as well, but songwriter. I mean, dude, if you look her up, like she's written songs for countless people. Wow, like, okay. really successful songwriter. Right, so, oh, and that's I think so it's cool. a little nod they give her the song that she actually wrote. Yeah, to yeah. sing in the song. Oh, that's in, really in cool. Film, I did so. not know she wrote that song. She, yeah. dude, she wrote songs for. Everybody. Everybody, wow. Like a lot of people. So she's massively talented. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Yep. Apparently, Rebel Wilson improvised most of her lines in the film, like mm. we talked about. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Apparently, the storyline between Bumper and Fat Amy and their relationship was not actually in the original script. And it came... Was it the chemistry it of came from, It came from the improv that the two had on right. set. And they kind of just ran with it. And they were... The, everybody they just they put it in. It was like, yeah, let's put it in. Yeah, that's great. So um, Divine often apparently was trying to like kiss her. <laughs> and it, it led to oh, them no. creating this like backstory to their characters' uh, relationships, and the filmmakers thought it was funny, so they left it in. That's great. I, I did watch one, like I mentioned, I was watching like these extended scenes, and there's one of like when they're at the party at like the, I guess it's like the theater or whatever. Uh-huh. After they get in, and uh, she goes up to him, and like they do a whole thing where like he like accidentally punches her boob, and then so she like basically like puts her hand on his crotch, and she goes, "Oh, because he punches her boob," and he goes, "Oh, it's soft," and she puts her hand on his crotch, and goes, "Oh, that's soft too," and she walks away. Funny. <laughs> so. 
the punching the boob joke. I wonder if they got that from uh, Superbad. Yeah, maybe. Remember that whole scene, Michael yeah. Sarah, like, hey. It, it looked like boob. it might have been an actual accident. Like, so I don't know. Oh, that's funny. So, okay, but cool. that's what I mean. Like, these are two really funny people. Like when they bounce off each other, it, it really yeah, works. No, I so. agree with that. That chemistry is there. Adam Devine accidentally hit a cameraman when throwing the burrito out of the bus window. Hilarious. Love that kind of stuff. Here's all the categories for the riff off. So we only see like I think it's a two, two categories, three categories maybe. Two or three. Um, so here's all the categories that are included on there. Uh, it is Ladies of the 80s, Songs About Sex, Black Michael Jackson, White Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, Christian Rock, Hair Bands, TV Theme Songs, Reggae Time, Medium Rock, The Judds, Famous Duets, Overplayed the Black Eyed Peas, <laughs> Puppet Songs, Songs Glee Ruined, A Party Rock Anthems, and ugly lead singers. So wow, that's that's something. The riff off was uh, originally meant to include seventeen songs, but it was reduced down to eight due to the cost of the music. So wow, it wanted to be a much bigger scene and just yeah. cost too much. I mentioned I, I, I would have loved to see Christian Rock. <laughs> <laughs> There's some really interesting categories. <laughs> Can you take me higher? <laughs> Um, oh, Creed. I mentioned this earlier, but you can see people playing Quidditch during the college fair scene near uh-huh. the beginning of the film. In the original script for the film, the movie that Jesse shows Becca was Say Anything, starring mm-hmm. John Cusack. Mm-hmm. I mentioned they were looking for a young John Cusack type. Yep, yep. Uh, before eventually becoming The Breakfast Club. I don't think that would have worked as much, Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes, because the song has to tie into the... The movie has yes. to tie into the song that yes. she sings. You can't see them singing In Your Eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I, I, Breakfast Club is definitely the better and, choice. And you know what? It, the whole... Because I just watched Say Anything for the first time ever after watching this movie and doing this research. Yeah, that's the boombox, right? Yeah, it Where is. Where you stand so, outside with the boombox. Because Jesse's big thing is that the movie endings are great, mm-hmm. but that's not the ending. I thought that was the ending. That's mm. like... When the, near the like like thirty minutes left in the movie. Oh, so, okay. Well, it's a famous scene. It but. is, but I don't think that like if his whole thing is endings are so great. Right. That's not the ending. That's not the ending. Right. So, right. The Breakfast Club ending has so an actual like yes. Yeah, fist ending. pump. Yeah. yeah, yeah. During the hot tub scene where Bumper leaves when he announces he's leaving, right? And they're all sitting in the yeah, hot tub. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, on the TV in the background, there is actually a fake porno playing on the TV. I did not see that. <laughs> um, no. It's two girls in their like underwear or like whatever. It's not that bad. Right. And they're just like dusting furniture. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> this was actually directed by Elizabeth Banks. This porno. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> Vader, like Becca mentions in the movie, mm-hmm. Vader is actually... The Dutch word for father, not the German. The German word for father is Vater. Vater. V-A-T-E-R, not Vader. Vader is Dutch, though. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's close. The Cup song was not originally in the script. Anna Kendrick had learned the song on her own through Reddit. Oh. And auditioned for the film with it. So that's actually how she got into the movie with that. She auditioned with that. How did she learn it through Reddit? But there's somebody. Somebody had done it. Had like a cup song out there. Yeah, and she took it. She, well, that wow. that song is like an old like playground like song. You know what I mean? Yes. Like like the Double Dutch song or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? right. Like it is. And then I think that like the motion that's like a camp like thing. Right. Like, I think people do it a lot of camp, and it got popular on Reddit. I guess she saw it and she recognized it, learned that's really it, cool. and she auditioned wow, for it. Wow, that's really cool. And obviously, she went on to be famous for having her own like version of mm-hmm. that song. Like, she yeah. makes it her own. The creators decided they wanted to put that in the movie. Kay Cannon is actually friends with Amy Poehler and named the character of Fat Amy after her, which is <laughs> which is what Amy yeah. Poehler called herself when she was pregnant. 
Mm. So we, you asked me, like, isn't that a little weird that she calls herself that's cool. I'm like, that's the origin. That gotcha. It was a self-referential, like, I'm pregnant, I'm, I'm acknowledging that, you know, kind of big. Right, so, right. Okay, um, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, whenever Anna Kendrick is singing alone during the film, she's actually singing live on set. Yes. You know? I know so, she can actually sing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, but I mean, you know. When she was alone, it was her. Yeah, but, well, because they, you know, a lot of times when they do, and that's, I guess that was kind of, was it Lay Miz? You know, Tom Hooper was, was like, we're singing on the set. Because they, well, you know, that was when the, they that do was it. That was a big thing with the movie. That yeah. was like why people, yeah. Because they were like, we're doing it live yeah. on set. Because yeah. usually it's, we lip sync and then we record in the studio. Right. And they did that with every other song, but when she's by herself, so I guess during the titanium thing, during right. uh, the cup song. That's her. That's her singing wow, that's on awesome. the set. Nice. Live. John Michael Higgins and Elizabeth Banks filmed all of their scenes in just one day. Makes sense. Because so. it's not it's not extensive in this movie. No, it it's sense. just a little, yeah. let's get together, let's do it, moving on. And also, I know the one that I keep seeing, I, I, it doesn't matter. The one piece of trivia I keep seeing when I look up is that John Michael Higgins actually played an acapella singer in, like, I think it's The Breakup, the Jennifer oh, Anderson, really? um, yeah. Vince Vaughn movie. He plays, I think, Jennifer Anderson's brother, and he's right. like, was a was a member of an acapella group. Oh, that's cool. And like, oh, nice. isn't that interesting? I'm like, not really, but not okay. Really. I mean, you know, there's a lot of roles out there. <laughs> so let's talk about the future of the franchise. Yeah. Should there have been a sequel to this? Okay, here's what I'll say. When you watch this movie alone, I think, yes, I think you could do a sequel to this because technically some of them are in freshman year and you want to kind of see that story continue. There's a multiverse out there, right? There's a mul- <laughs> I sound crazy. There's a multiverse out there, right, man? No, um, like there's a universe maybe where the second film does capitalize on the good in this movie. Not this universe, <laughs> but there is, there is one out hey, there. Hey. We don't know how we feel about the second movie yet, okay? Well, we do. But, (laughs) you know, there's a universe out there where you could capitalize on the really good aspects of this movie. And I think when I watch this movie alone, I would say yes. I would want a sequel. Like, without even talking about what we have two and three right now yes i said i i said i'm not i'm actually not sure because it's great it's a great standalone movie and you know you can always revisit the characters in the world but it doesn't really feel like it's needed and you also like when you do something like this you run the risk of losing what is special and i think that's the problem with this movie is i think this the legacy of this movie would be better if there wasn't any sequels like we would be like hey remember that that really fun movie yeah from like 2012 and you're probably so. right but i think part of the problem with that is people want more acapella versions of current songs <laughs> i think that's maybe i think that's maybe why you know what i mean like no it, i get it's it. such a fun premise how can you not continue playing with it no and, and it makes sense yeah so what do you want to see in the future? Not Pitch Perfect 2 or 3. No. Uh, <laughs> so I <laughs> I want to see... I think, they, I think they actually kind of... One of the things I liked, I think they kind of have it right. I do want to see the Bellas maybe... And I think this is, this is a great way they did it is because 2 is in 2015. They're in senior year type deal. I actually wanted to see that again. I would love to see them in senior year, but maybe have a more coherent story. <laughs> maybe have them like go like missing co- like really go in on the college stuff and have them like playing with it and um actually having them compete in competitions instead of being banned from competition entirely. Like actually have them going to competitions and watching them work out all of these different songs. Some of them will work, some of them won't. And do maybe something like that. And it leads to the world championships at the end. And again, I'm kind of basing this off my knowledge of two specifically. Because I don't really, ha- I didn't really even have a premise for what I would want to yeah, see. Yeah. 
but like i would say that i would just want to see more of a i guess like a rocky 2 <laughs> for pitch perfect that's what i want i want a rocky and, 2 for pitch perfect um no i think you know you could answer the ask the question like what is the legacy of the bellas now mm-hmm. you know where where does this legacy take them where do they Which go they, they kind of do again but like they go a little over the top too yeah. much with it. Big time. Um, and how do these characters grow from here? They should be growing, not yeah. kind of going back to not where, stagnating, right? Where they were They're going back, right? Uh, what franchise star would you add to this franchise? I thought about this a lot because I was trying to think of like different, I guess, like musical type things. It's and tough. Then I, but I, I kind of started drifting a little bit into like Broadway actors. I was like, who would it maybe maybe like a Broadway actor? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Ben Platt is in this and he's a big Broadway star. But then I thought about it more and I said, you know who would be really great in this world? Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. He would be excellent be in excellent. this world. He would be really good. And he's he's also a very good singer and a Broadway star. But he has that energy that you would yeah. want for him to be in a movie like this. Like he could play like an opposing coach to the Bellas, like he's coaching a team, and he walks in. He's just very like smarmy. He walks in. Oh, hey, Bellas, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's just very like he's like oh, still singing E flats. We're yeah. up to E sharps, and he's just like kind of doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if that's a joke, if that's a good music <laughs> joke, but like, um, I would love to see something like that, like just like a smarmy coach. Yeah. I think would really work. No, I think that works. I mean, I think we kind of learned from this movie that. I think the comedy is almost more important than the singing. Yeah. Because you can you can kind of figure out the singing. Like, Adam Devine's not known for his singing, but they made it work. Right. You know what I mean? He's pretty good. Yeah. So It's kind of a cliche, but maybe Melissa McCarthy. You know, I think, you know, sure. pairing her off with, like, Robert Wilson might mm-hmm. work. Also, uh, you know, maybe she's a teacher or mm-hmm. she'll be a former Bella, maybe. I don't know. Right. Not at the time of this movie, but if, if this was, like, a 2000s movie, uh, like, mid-2000s movie, you know who would be great in this? It's Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, like, you're like right. Mid-2000s, yeah. like mid two thousands, like peak Lindsay peak Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Would be great in right. so. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, let's rank these films, my friend. Okay, uh, it's pitch perfect. Pitch perfect. We Number just, one. We have one. That's so it. That's all we perfect. got so far. Yeah, I mean, do you have any closing comments you want to say before we, you know, kind of wrap this up or? I waited on this for 10 years, <laughs> and I watched it. Waiting for this moment. I was waiting for this uh, this moment. We were waiting on this moment. No, uh, after taking 10 years and finally watching it, look, man, it's a fun movie. It really is. It's a fun movie, and I didn't hate this like I thought I was going to. I went in very much like, I don't even know if I'm going to like this because it's been so long. What, like, honestly, this was a great watch. I really had fun with the movie. I did, even though I didn't love it and I didn't have that personal connection like you do, I can see why people like this movie. And like I said earlier, I would watch this again. It's a really fun watch. There's some really great moments in it, music-wise and comedy-wise. You're right, there are moments where you do uh, you do laugh. And again, not knee-slapping funny, but it's, yeah. a, it's a good time. It really is a good time. And I'm glad that after all these years, I finally got around to watching it. <laughs> Um, and that I can officially, you know, talk about Pitch Perfect with people and uh, express my thoughts on it. But yeah, it's it's a really fun movie, and I'm glad I finally we finally did it on the podcast, and <laughs> you got me to watch it. But I, I, it really is a fun I, movie. I do want to say, to be fair, this was your suggestion. You actually suggested doing this. Did I? So yeah, oh. you you know you were like, hey, maybe I'll just bite the bullet and finally do it. I'm gonna have to do it eventually. So. Well, good for me. <laughs>
<laughs> but no, um, it, it's a fun time. It's really fun. Like everybody here, I think is 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 better than like even the material requires them to be. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And and I you know I think that you you like you help jumpstart some careers. And mm-hmm. you know a lot, a lot of people here didn't necessarily go on to do the best stuff in the world, right? You know, but I think you know you you have people who you helped make some names. You helped. Established some careers and then everybody kind of, you know, had a great time. It seems like everybody just had a great time making this. Yeah. Everybody really enjoyed each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was overall just a really good time. And and I, it's a movie that, yeah, I do, I do love this movie. And I, and I, I do um, enjoy it. And I highly recommend it for anybody who, who likes music. I can't believe Anna Kendrick actually sampled all these songs just for the (laughs) the movie. (laughs) Incredible. Well. Just like that, we end another Aka Fantastic episode, my uh. friend. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Tony, as always. And I'm sure he loved listening to the Pitch Perfect episode. Yeah, I'm sure and he's uh, just loving this. <laughs> we appreciate everybody for the support. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. It's just at FranchiseMePod. You can see all of our rankings on Letterboxd. It's Franchise Me. It's just one word. Uh, and you can send us an email, franchisemepod at gmail.com. Give us a rating, a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us your feedback so we can get better each week. Make sure you check out our, our website, franchisemepodcast.com. And make sure to check back next week as we unite the Bellas as we discuss Pitch Perfect 2. There it is. Goodbye. <laughs>